In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, it is officially a few days away from Summer League, and me and my co-host Richard Stamen, we are going to share our thoughts on the California Classic. It's not the Vegas Summer League, but it is the first Summer League action of 2023, and I'm looking forward to it and find out our thoughts on what players that we are looking forward to seeing. Stay tuned. Big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. And this episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code Locked On NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director scout for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. And my co host for today is my guy, Richard Stamen. We are going to be in Vegas. We just left New York. We were in Chicago. We've been on the road. We've been grinding. We've been trying to give you the best draft coverage. And today we're going to talk about the California Classics. Like I said, it's not the big summer league event where all 30 teams are there, but it is the start of summer league. And, and if you're a draft guy, which I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you're a draft guy, summer league is is like circled on your calendar. And so. We're going to talk about our favorite guys so far. How's everything going for you, Richard? It's good. Um, I, my, my one question is, where are we going in August? Because we had May, we had in Chicago. June, we had New York. July, we got Vegas. What are we doing in August? <laughs> Chilling. <laughs> that's what it's I'm a doing. rest month. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm chilling. But I've already started working on 2024. And so I've been uh, watching film on guys. And I'm trying to think, do I release like a 2024 like article or scouting reports early? Because honestly, I'm just tired of talking about 2023 guys. We've been talking about them since August. And so it's just, it's cool to me to just evaluate some new guys that I've never seen before. I mean, I know their names. I've seen clips here and there, but just coming at it, just watching them with a clean slate. I really, really enjoyed that part of the summer. But anyway, let's talk about California Classic. Are you, who is the player that you're looking forward to seeing the most? Or, or is it the player or, or team? With just the California Classic or anybody in summer? California week? Classic. I'll go focus on that too. Yeah, for honestly, for me, this is such an obscure reference of why I'm excited to see this team. But I'm actually really ex excited to see the Golden State Warriors because they have a reunion, actually of two of their players who were some of my most favorite players to watch. I think in any one year, they didn't end up declaring the same year, but the SMU players are united. You got Isaiah Mike, who, if, if you followed me back in 2020, first of all, thank you for putting up during the dog years. But second, like I tweeted about that man a lot, him and Kendrick Davis and they're teamed up together. That's an SMU reunion right there. I'm really excited to see them. You know, Isaiah Mike's a, a prototypical wing. I think he just needs a shot. To, and, and I don't mean like a jump shot because he has that. I think he just kind of needs that spotlight he never got. They have an interesting roster. I'm looking at their roster. Yuri Collins and Kendrick Davis, arguably the smallest backcourt. I, I can't think of one that's smaller if they play together, which I imagine with those two guys, they are going to see some time on the court together. You got Trace Jackson Davis, who went number 57. 
I mean, I think that is an absolute steal. I mean, he went 20 to 25 picks below where I thought he would go. So you got him. You have uh, Reggie Perry, who's a good passer in his own right. Um, Brandon Pajemski, Pods. You got Guy Santos, who I thought kind of made a name for himself last year. I mean, they have a pretty interesting team. Javon Johnson from DePaul. They're, they're going to be pretty fun to watch. Who's the guy that you're looking forward to seeing, like, like the most? Like, just from an individual standpoint. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and you mean just across the California Classic? Oh, for the Warriors. For the, no, Warriors. For the Warriors, it's the same answer. I really want to see Trace Jackson Davis. I mean, I, I think so many different things. One, NBA spacing where teams can't. And also, I just know defensive three in the key being on. Or, sorry, now there is defensive three in the key. I'm so used to saying it in defense of him <laughs> i'm excited to see him get his chance to showcase just how dominant he is as a pick and roll big because he was almost relegated to being a post big because they were like well if you roll like if you set a screen we're just going to camp the paint out so you can't even get a lob so i'm excited to see him and yuri collins is one of the very best playmakers i would say in the entire country from last season yep. and if you're counting him as in the draft which he was he's one of the best playmakers if not number one uh, of all players in the draft. I'm really excited to see that duo. Like, I, I just think that pick and roll ability is going to be really fun. Yeah, I think TJD is really going to benefit because he has so many good playmakers and passers on the team. And he's a good passer himself. But you factor in, he's going to have guards that can get in the paint, create looks for him. He might be that guy that has, like, a big summer league where you're like, why did this guy go 57 again? I mean, I already feel like that as is, but I would not be surprised at all to see him average like 20 and 10 early in the summer league. I mean, I think the Warriors got an absolute steal, but he just benefits because he has, like I said, so many playmakers. What are your thoughts on Pajemski? And before we get into that, what are your thoughts on him going number 20? And then what do you expect from him in, in, in the California Classic? Yeah, I think, you know, you can make the argument that it wasn't the greatest fit, but given that they just traded away Jordan Poole, I believe the day of, or maybe with, it was like within 24 hours of the draft, they had, and Ryan Rollins. So they traded away two guards. Even if Ryan Rollins didn't play last year, there is still another guard that was being moved. And then Patrick Baldwin got moved. And again, two of those guys aren't rotation players, but still a roster spot that has to be filled. And I think overall, like Pazemski is just going to fit very seamlessly. He's a guy who can play so many different roles. We've seen at Santa Clara, he just wants to be given a chance to play. It's all he wanted, and he got that at Santa Clara, and he killed it. And when you have such an incredibly intelligent, high IQ player who has a strong feel for the game, makes his teammates better, limits his mistakes, tries really hard on defense and can play off ball while being a magnificent just passer and on-ball player, that fits into every team. Like At some point, the the microscopic fit, it may not be perfect, but at some point, talent just works, man. Like Talent that wants to fit into any lineup and intelligent talent that all works. That's what the entire Warriors system is based on. So I have high expectations for him both in summer league and in the NBA right away. Yeah. His dad sent me a picture. His lockers right next to Steph Curry's who, who better to learn from than Steph and Chris Paul. And then even more crazy is like, what a difference a year makes. This guy was unknown a year ago. I asked a question on Twitter who is this year's pods? 
people are giving me answers. I'm like, come on, man. This guy was, he's already on draft board. I'm talking about somebody that you don't really see anybody talking about that you may have saw in high school and didn't get a lot of playing time, but you think that a change of scenery could turn him into a first round pick. I mean, it's hard to like make a comparison because it's, it's really almost like a fairy tale story in the sense of how he, I don't even think he played a hundred minutes last year. I think it was like 69 minutes total at Illinois. He's like, I think he played maybe four games or something like that. And no, maybe 16 games, like four minutes per game. I, I don't know, something like that. But to go from that to a first round pick is it, pretty crazy. All right, let's talk about the Sacramento Kings. Who's the guy that you're looking forward to seeing most on their roster? I want to see, uh, for me personally, there's there's two storylines that I like. One is you got the Xavier backcourt back together, Soli Boom and uh, Colby Jones. And then I also just really like Jalen Slauson. I, I'm a big fan of his. I think he's got a chance to shine. I, the, the roster is really impressive. I don't think Keegan Murray's going to play maybe more than two games at most. I was shocked to see him on there. But I feel like that's something where it's like, hey, it's in Sacramento. It's at the Golden One Center. Let's give our fans, you know, a chance to cheer him on for a second and then pull him out. But I, I really am excited to see Jalen Slauson. I think he's somebody who is going to make a lot of highlight plays. And just it's basically like, look, he has an incredible pump fake and an absolutely lethal just explosion to the rim. So I do think that's going to be something where that combination just catches a lot of eyes. And because of that, he's going to stand out. I'm waiting on Kata, Nemus Kata. I'm waiting on him to break out. I really liked him. What was it, two years ago? I made this bold prediction that he would be the Sacramento Kings starting center by the end of the year. And it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened at all. But I think he he's a guy that really needs an opportunity. I think he has the tools to be, you know, at least a back-end rotation player on some teams. I mean, I would have loved him in Dallas. I think that he could have helped helped Dallas there. What are your thoughts on on Justin Mutz? I know um, Chris Kesey, who's been a contributor at NBA Big Board, really likes him. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I I've always watched him and kind of been like, how is this guy not on any NBA boards? And then you look at the stats, the productivity like doesn't really pop. The rebounds kind of does, but he's a very unique player. I think why it doesn't pop is because you look across the board, right? The efficiency is good. The per, the scoring itself doesn't pop. But then you look at the the playmaking, and and that's where it pops. And given that he's, what, 6'9", 6'10", 6'8", actually, I think, actually, I, I went a little bit high on that. But you have a 6'8", just do-it-all offensively guy, I think, like in terms of the ball in his hands. I think he's interesting. I, I personally don't know how much that lack of a jump shot holds him back. I think that's really where the question mark comes in is, will he be able to ever overcome the fact that he's never been a great shooter? All right, who has the the breakout summer? Kessler Edwards or Keon Ellis? Ooh, you know, I almost named Keon Ellis. I think he's got a better roster finally to to succeed. Although, I mean, outside of and how they have Jordan Ford. Jordan Ford's a good playmaker. So I was gonna say they don't have a ton of playmakers, but this is kind of the thing, right? Where it's you look at the non-guard playmakers. I think this is a roster much better suited for Keon Ellis this year than it was last year. I think they had like a I can't remember if I'm getting my years mixed up, but I think he had like Frankie Ferrari as his past best guard, who was a good, great guard, but I just don't think he was like perfect for him and also has more NBA reps under him. Yep. 
All right, when we return, we'll talk about the next set of teams. But let's talk about prize picks. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. And all you have to do is pick two to six players and you predict if they will score more or less than their prize picks projection. And you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It is just you versus the projections. And the prize picks projections can be for any sport. NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, NHL, PGA, men's college basketball, college football, women's college basketball, soccer. I mean, they even have esports and NASCAR. So they got you covered. And with prize picks, the entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is very easy. It is safe. And you can get your money out quickly. And it is currently operational in 30 states and Canada. Again, you can win 25 times your money. Just download the Price Picks app or go to pricepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. If you are a first-time user, you can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, bucks, Price Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Price Picks will give you $50. Do not forget to enter the code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. All right, thank you for making Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. If you are an everydayer, then our next episode will be about the California Classic again, or just Summer League, whether it's California or Utah. I guarantee you the next episode is going to be about Summer League. All right. Let's talk about the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, the Lakers, I don't know if they've officially released their roster, but I know Maxwell Lewis, Max Lewis are, are, are going to be on the team, and those are the two guys that I'm looking forward to seeing. Also, Jalen Hood, Shafino. What are your thoughts on those three guys for the Lakers? Yeah, I, I'm honestly very excited to see Jalen Hutchinson in a in a Lakers uniform and see how he looks with that, uh, with that pick and roll, right? And I think he's he's got a heavy weight on his shoulder because people did not like that pick. They thought it was kind of a head scratcher, uh, which personally I disagree with. I think D'Lo's gone. You probably got to replace the guard slot in some way. And I think he's got a good chance. I'd like to see how he shoots the ball. That's really my big question mark for him is how well is he going to shoot it and how quickly does that shot come along in summer league, if at all? Yeah, you know, the thing is that he's a good shooter off the dribble. It's just off the catch. And I think that's got to be like the big focus for him this summer because if there's a team where you need to know how to shoot off the catch, it is the Los Angeles Lakers. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just interested to see how he fits there he's someone that if he ends up playing like valuable minutes for them I don't think I'd be totally caught off guard by that but if he spends a good chunk of the season playing for South Bay because he may struggle shooting off the catch that would have surprised me but uh, another name that that I didn't mention that I'm looking forward to seeing is Colin Castleton I, I, I can't wait to see him and I mean it's just unfortunate that right when he was like, I mean, just dominating college basketball, he got hurt. I think he had like a four game stretch where he averaged like 25 a game or something like that before he 
um, what did he do? Break his hand or break his wrist? Or I know it was a hand injury, and so um, it just kind of derailed what was going to be a great second half of the season for him. And then they got Demoy Hodge, a guy that can really shoot. So I'm looking forward to seeing seeing their roster. And then um, they got the TCU guy, Damian Ba. Yeah. When I saw is, is, is that's how you pronounce it, Ba, right? Yep, yep, Damian Ba. And he's a sneaky good athlete. And I'm I'm looking forward to to seeing like who stands out on, on that roster. I think Maxwell Lewis is probably the steal of the draft, in my opinion. We didn't really get a chance to talk about it, but why do you think he fell to forty? You know, I asked somebody um, why. I, I was like, "Do me a favor, watch this one thing on Max Lewis, and tell me what you think." And pretty much what they were saying was, you know, decision making is rough. The defense is a disaster. I yeah. think that's really the big thing. If you watch him off ball, there's not a he can't go five minutes without making a glaring flaw, like mistake. And that's really where it gets worrisome. On ball, he has the tools to be good, but he just he is very lost as a rotational defender off ball. And I think that's scaring teams. And then also the shot selection, I think, is a little bit iffy. But that might just stem from Pepperdine. I'm willing to like very well, I'm very willing to overlook that because you can justify, you know, these guys are stars in college basketball. They have to take sometimes bad shots, right? Yep. And, and he's not on a great team. So I I can justify that. But it's really the defense and I think the fact that he just I don't think he really popped in a bunch of areas away from shooting it like he should have, but he has all the tools to get there. And I think teams probably just worried, well, what's the now return going to look like? And can we be patient enough? And I'm, I'm happy the Lakers, even though they are kind of in that boat of, can they afford to wait? Like given the LeBron's timeline, like I think he does fit the catch and shoot right away next to LeBron. Yeah. But it's weird that, that the same, I guess, Defensive concerns really didn't impact Bryce Sensenball as much. Yep. I was told the day before the draft that he's going to fall to the second round. And then he ends up going first round, right around the range that I, I had on maybe before my, my second to last mock. But he was not a good defender. He also had the concerns about his knee. He still goes first round. I, Bryce Sensenball is a really good offensive player. Shot 43% from, from three. I think... Max fell because one Pepperdine was losing and it's something that he he told me himself he's like every interview he has with teams the first thing they want to know is basically why did Pepperdine suck so bad and he's kind of put in a box as a guy that put up empty calorie stats good stats on a bad team and then he mentioned that his efficiency declined throughout the year because he was getting double teamed and seeing so many junk defenses but on the other hand if you look at that Pepperdine roster they got some talented players on that team I don't understand why they were so bad and then I also heard somebody and this person was like pretty high on Max and they were like well he just wasn't held accountable at Pepperdine none of those guys on that team were held accountable they could do whatever they want to do and they felt like he could be a good defender if he was actually coached and I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I completely agree. And also, kind of like you said, like after, after a certain point when you're game planned against, like after 20 games, right, you can't – teams know exactly what you're going to do. Like all you, you watch the tape, and, I mean, your opponents, especially in the West Coast Conference, when you're in conference, they know every one of your habits. And when you don't have a bunch of 
like you said, they, they kind of tying it together. Houston Millette, right? I really like him. There's several other guys on that team, I think, that can do stuff with the ball in their hands. I just don't think it was all fluid in the way they did it, right? They was it was all they all have the talent to do it, but functionally they just didn't like and and you know that stuff can fall on coaching at times. I, I'm not gonna say it's like exactly what it was, but you know, I think that's more of something that coaching could fix more than Max Lewis could fix, right? He can't be an on-court coach every single minute. And and it kind of ties together, right? Like what if you just made him an off-ball threat? Like, what if you put him on Gonzaga, right? right? Keep him in conference. You put him next to Drew Timmy. Like, you're kind of getting something similar. Anthony Davis is a good playmaker. LeBron's obviously one of the best, very best playmakers of all time. Yeah. And you're going to put him there, and he would he would have shot 40% from three easily. And I think the same thing in the NBA. He would shoot well above league average as a rookie. Yeah, I, I like him a lot. I, I was shocked that he fell so low. All right, let's talk about the Miami Heat. Have you had a chance to see their roster? And I, I know the name that yeah. stands out to me. Alondis yeah, I'm, Williams. Can't I'm shocked. Uh, sorry, who'd you say? Alondis Williams. Yeah. I, I'm i a little bit shocked he, he's already on, because he was on a different team last year, right? Like Brooklyn, I think. Yeah, he's a two-way guy. Yeah, and I'm shocked that he already bounced out of there. I think Miami would be a great spot. I was shocked, honestly, at Taylor Funk was allowed to be picked up by Miami. Like that is the most Miami pick. I wasn't even a big Taylor Funk guy. And then I saw him go with Miami. I was like, well, this is a 10 out of 10 landing spot. Like he's going to graduate from the summer league. He's going to get a two way. If he hasn't already, I can't remember, but he's going to, he's going to, by the end of the year or beginning of next year, this is a guy who's going to have a guaranteed roster spot. Like those are the two things for me. I think Alondis Williams has a chance to be that upside guy and they have a chance to have a lot of turnover on this roster too i mean first of all you have kyle lowry is in a weird bubble right max Struess is a free agent duncan robinson could be on the way out damian lillard trades are all rumors uh floating above everyone's head and that would cause a lot of roster turnover to match the salaries and everything so i think that there's a really good chance for the heat to take two of these guys from the summer league roster and bring them up to the main roster at some point if they all do well enough yeah i think one of the guards whether it's Landis or Jamari Bouye, I like him a lot. He's a a crafty scorer, um, fun to watch. Patrick Gardner, he's like a very under 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 the radar center. Um, I, I thought that he, you know, has some skills. Hakez, that's going to be interesting to see how his game translate. And then I want to see Nikola Jovic. Uh, I want I want to see him play. He's got a year of experience now. He's had a chance to, I mean, learn under Jimmy Butler. Drew Peterson is a guy that I really like as far as just um, his versatility and everything that he does at his size with the passing and the rebounding. So I'm really looking forward to to watching Miami. What is your thoughts on Hawkins? I I was a little bit shocked to see him go as high as he did, but I understand it because here's my one concern ucla hit him very well on defense they did not let him get switched on to islands like they did not let him sit on an island they didn't let him defend in space and that's and, and sometimes he held his own but most times it was less than ideal it wasn't always a bad outcome or anything but it was something you'd watch it and you're just kind of holding your breath more than you would the average prospect right so i think with him miami is hoping he's such a unique player at six seven with the ball in his hands and that he can probably be an off-ball player too where you give him two dribbles off the catch 
and he can probably still do enough damage and make his teammates better that it outweighs any defensive concerns. And also he's a very good team defender where those getting, getting put on an Island. Look, it's not going to happen enough that it makes it a massive concern, at least right away, maybe in the playoffs, but not in the regular season. Yeah. It was a weird fit to me because Miami, you would think that they're looking for shooters. Like they're looking for size and, and shooting because it's like they got exposed in the finals in a sense because they were just really, really small. And Hakez is, I mean, he has good size, but he doesn't have like great size and he's not a great shooter. He is a crafty scorer. I, I I heard that, and I'm pretty sure you heard it too, like he was really kicking butt in the pre-draft process. I wonder, was their decision like weighed off of his pre-draft workout more than his game film? Because, I mean, his game film is great. But he's a guy that you just wonder, at least I wonder, like how does it translate to the NBA? Is Miami going to give him mid-post isolation touches where he can get to his bag of tricks where he just has a bunch of cracky head fakes and footwork? So I'm just wondering like his NBA role. Yeah, I mean, I'd heard there was a team a few spots back behind Miami, like in the early 20s that really liked pockets from their pre-draft workout that I knew he was in. And um, so I know that's probably why they got him. They probably couldn't have traded back to get him. But I think he's so unique and he has that he has like a patented turnaround jumper where like I think if you're that it's not he's versatile, but also like he's almost awkward of a fit right on, yeah. on that team. And I think to make up for that, he does have that killer you know, quick turnaround jumper. That is quite honestly, it was unguardable in college. And if you have that patented move, I think it makes things a lot easier. Now you have to have counters to it because in college, it's a lot easier, I think, to dominate with one move than it is in the NBA, but it is still such a good foundation. I think that it can work in, in a lot of different ways. Yep. All right. When we return, we'll talk about the last two teams, which happened to be the two teams that had the first and second pick in last week's draft, but I want to talk to you about game time. And I used game time for the first time when I was in New York, wanted to get Yankee ticket, Yankee tickets, because I wanted to see Victor Wimbayama throughout the first pitch. And so I went to game time and I ended up getting really good tickets. I got tickets in, in the outfield and they were like 20 bucks a piece. And they had the flash deal, which I scrolled over and, and hit the flash deal. And it gave me a good, I mean, a good deal is I think the tickets were normally probably like $27 or $28. So I was able to save eight bucks on, on each ticket. So game time is legit. I would definitely check it out. And the reason I'm saying you can check it out is because they have last minute tickets. They have a low price. Again, they have the flash deals, which is what, which is what I use. They are easy to find and you can buy tickets to any type of event. You get images of the seats. They have a low price guarantee. They even have an event cancellation protection and a job loss protection. And the reason I was choosing game time was because I thought it was going to rain and I thought I was going to basically lose my tickets. And if it would have rained, I didn't have another day to, to spend in New York to do a makeup game. So that's why I was comfortable with game time. But like I said, you get images of your seats. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps in your set. And the tickets are sent directly to your phone. You don't have to dig through your email. All you have to do is download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Use the redeem code LOCKEDONNBA. 
and you'll get $20 off. Again, download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right, last segment. San Antonio Spurs. Unfortunately, Victor Wimbayama is not going to play in the California Classic. I figured he was not going to, in no disrespect to the California Classic, but I figured he was going to save his debut for, for Vegas. What are your thoughts on the Spurs roster? They've got some guys I really like. Uh, you look at Serge Abari Rice. I'm interested to see Blake Wesley, Javante McCoy, who we talked about the South Bay Lakers earlier. He was on the South Bay Lakers, sharpshooter from Boston University, saw him at Portsmouth last year. Um, City Sissoko, I'm really excited to see how he looks in this environment. And also, this one is somebody who he got a lot of run at the end of the year, but I want to see how much that has translated over the last couple of months. And that is Dominic Barlow, your almost named cousin, who he uh, he doesn't have an E at the end, right? That's why I, that's why I say almost, but no, he's he uh, he actually got a little bit of an unlimited leash towards the end of the year because the Spurs had nothing to play for, and he looked pretty confident. He looked comfortable on the floor, doing what he did at OTE. I'm interested to see how he does. That would be you know a very big success story for OTE ahead of even just the Thompson twins. Like they're the highlighters, but. I think that having Dominic Barlow as a success story would be big for them too. Yeah, I think he gets drafted in a redraft. And then once they redo his contract, he's going to end up getting the same type of money as a guy that was selected late in the first round. So, yeah, I'm interested to see how he does. Um, City Sissoko, Blake Wesley. I know Blake kind of struggled a little bit. Well, I shouldn't say a little bit. He struggled last year in the summer league with his efficiency. Show some flashes last season as a rookie but then he he missed some time i think he like i know he had a foot injury missed some time so i think this is important for him um malachi branham i don't do you think he plays a lot i don't i don't think i i think he's gonna be the best player on the team so he's out early yep and then charles Badiaco. i heard that he had a really good pre-draft process and I'm um, just curious to see what he looks like. I mean, San Antonio has quite a few bigs, which is something that they really lacked this past season. But they have a few bigs that that I think that um, they can really develop. And then Eric Stevenson and Jabari Rice. I think those two guys are going to be competing for the same spot. Both guys are old, <laughs> I should say. Definitely older rookies. Sir Jabari Rice, was he in a class of 2017 high school class, I believe? I think so. I mean, they're, they were born in the nineties. So as a person born in the nineties, it makes me feel old, but you know, that's, that's old in the NBA now. Yeah. So, all right. Charlotte Hornets. This is a team that I'm looking forward to seeing the most their roster. I mean, from Brandon Miller to Nick Smith to, I mean, uh, what was the kid's name from last year? Uh, Bryce McGowan's. Oh, McGowan's. Yeah. McGowan's, James Najee. I mean, it's a lot of guys on this roster that are probably going to be in their in, in their regular rotation. Um, Leaky Black, Amari Bailey, um, Angelo Allegri, who uh, he, he came to my um, NTX Combine. And uh, interesting story about that. He worked out for the Hornets the day before the Combine. He comes to the NTX Combine. Unfortunately, I think he sprained his foot or something like that and um, wasn't able to get like a full 
you know, pre-draft process as far as working out with teams. And of course you kind of feel bad when, when that happens at, at an event, but luckily for him, he worked out for Charlotte before, and that's the team that, that's bringing him to summer league. I think he's going to have an E10. But who's the guy that you're looking forward to seeing, or not maybe not necessarily the guy, but what is the thing you're looking most forward to seeing about this Hornets roster? Yeah, it's two things. The amount of NBA talent they have on the roster. I mean, <laughs> Nick Smith, Book Knight's even playing. Then you look at Kai Jones, and it kind of feeds into my second point, just the amount of front court players, J.T. Thor, Kai Jones, James Najee, like all three of those guys are competing, like you said, for actual rotation minutes. I'm interested to see how these guys all look. And Bryce McGowan's too. I, He was one of the guys I really liked last year. I'd like to see him take a jump and be one of those too good for summer league guys. Big, big summer for James Booknight. A really big summer for James Booknight. It's I don't know if it's too early to say it's a make or break summer, but he needs to really like, I mean, he really needs to dominate summer league. He can't look average. He can't look like he's okay. This would be what his third summer league. Yeah. Yeah. Drafted in 21. Yeah. So he's supposed to be one of the five best players drafted in 21 was a lottery pick. I mean, he's supposed to really, really dominate summer league. What are your thoughts? I know you're not a huge Nick Smith guy, but what is it from Nick Smith that you are curious about seeing or you, or you want to see out of him? Well, so every time I criticize the pick and roll, there's two things I got as, you know, as explanation as to why, hey, cut him some slack. And those were, look at the spacing. He's going to have four spacers now just about all around him and one of the best role men in summer league in James Najee. And also it was the injury. How's he look healthy and everything, like in terms of health-wise. And right now he should be the healthiest he's been in a year. And he also gets that spacing. So I think if he continues to struggle in the pick and roll, it might be an issue. If he thrives there, I think you're, you're looking at, Hey, there, there really is potentially good value. Cause I think the shot will come along. I don't care about the percentages. I, I think that stuff will be there, but the on ball ability, if that's there, that's a big success. JT Thor. I I really like his game. I think he was always a little bit raw and at least needed two years. So this would be the year where he kind of takes the jump. He's somebody where I'd like to just see him get a bunch of on-ball reps and just reduce turnovers. Because that was his issue in the NBA was he would get the ball in his hands and panic and he would have way more turnovers or forced shots. He'd panic just because he didn't know what he was doing and the game wasn't slowing down. I'd like to see the game slow down for him. And Kai Jones, like two guys that were, were they in the same draft? Yep. Yep. Like they took two really, really huge upside swings with, with those two guys. I mean, Book Knight I, was in that class, too. What's that? I think Book Knight was in that class, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think so. And Kai Jones was awful last year in Summer League. <laughs> he was absolutely awful. So hopefully, uh, you know, this is, like I said, it's a make or break year for those guys. In the year three, they should stand out. Well, that wraps up this episode. Hopefully everyone has a great weekend. And big thank you for making the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow, Richard Stamen, and we are... Out.